Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film 50 First Dates. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we may talk about the plot and there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Be Sandloon! Sandloon. The most wonderful month of the year. <laughs> I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. It's Sandloon, everyone. It is. It's Adam Sandler month. It's been a long time coming. I think it's something we've talked about from basically episode one. Yeah. It's been a, yeah, there's been Sandler chat for a while and talk of this of there being a dedicated month. But yeah, I'm very, very happy that we actually we are here. It's here now. It's like, yeah, it's like waiting for Christmas, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. We should have done a, a countdown like advent calendar over the last few episodes. <laughs> On the first day of Sandlin, my true love came to me. Big Daddy. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> I've not seen that one. I have. Wait, have I seen Big Daddy? I might have seen Big Daddy. It's not one of the Sandloon, the select four that we've had to go for over the four weeks. It's actually very hard to choose four films, but um, Big Daddy is not one of the ones on the list. So if you want to talk about that as an aside, then feel free. Because oh, that's the it. thing, isn't it? He's got such a, I'm not going to say classic um, filmography, but he's been in a lot of movies. Yeah, he has been around the block for sure. Or maybe I have seen Big Daddy and I don't remember it. That happens a lot on this show, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm thinking of, you know, you've got the big ones like Billy Madison, uh, Happy Gilmore, The Wedding Singer, obviously, which we did cover previously. Mm-hmm. Um, big Daddy, Little Nicky. Yeah. Um, anger Management. I haven't seen that one. Uh, he and Jack Nicholson shout a lot. See, now that um, actually sounds like something I would enjoy. You might enjoy it. I don't remember anything other than them shouting at each other a lot, and I think they go to some kind of sports event. Right. Um, See, if I'm going to watch an old man shout on film, I'd quite like it to be Jack Nicholson. He's a great shouter, you know. Obviously, people talk about his acting, his voice, um, his excellent, gifable meme face, but few people talk about his ability to shout. Yeah, very, very high quality shouting. He's a guy you want at a ball game, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Throw the ball. Now hit the ball. Now run. Yeah, do it. That's that's how American sports work. Make a goal, says Jack Nicholson. (laughs) Did they make a goal? They made a goal. You'd expect them to if Jack Nicholson's shouting at them. You put your hand on that egg. (laughs) Um, So... You're a fan of, of Adam Sandler. I would say that I am, yes. I mean, it's difficult. We'll, we'll get into this week's film, which has a lot of problems with it. But I think it was someone, he's someone who, so all his early films, like like you say, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and such, those were knocking around when I was at school, um, secondary school, I mean. And, you know, everyone loved them and we watched them all the time and we thought they were hilarious. So I think part of it is nostalgia for me. You know, it wasn't until later on that I started to realize that Adam Sandler was a figure of ridicule. I thought it was just some funny guy in films. And that was that was kind of it, really. You know, and obviously this is all kind of pre-internet, really. So you're in a bubble, really, aren't you? You're not, I'm not, I wasn't, I always loved films, but I was never like, I'm going to read Empire magazine or I'm going to ever read or be aware of film reviews or critical reception of anything, really. I don't think I really understood any of that stuff until I got to university, really, and we started reading Derrida. And then suddenly it clicked for me (laughs) one day when I was reading a passage of of Derrida. Jesus Christ, Adam Sandler's rubbish. (laughs) That's exactly exactly how it went down. I think you might have been there for that moment. (laughs) I mean, all of the great philosophical works do refer to adam sandler in some way shape or another ceci Pas and bon movie for instance <laughs> um it's 
Billy Madison, Sassy um, Pas but... in <laughs> in boy. What's the word for boy? I can't think of any French anymore. I used to be um, really good at French. Garçon. Sassy Pas in Garçon. Yeah. Jean Garçon. Um Yeah. Um yeah, Adam Sandler. I have never Are you a fan? Was... See, I've never really been a great fan. There's been the odd movie here and there that I've enjoyed, but I think they've always signaled my shit alarm bell. Just like... <laughs> oh, the shit alarm. Yeah, the shit alarm. Not to be confused little... with the shit piece alarm, which is something different. Very, very different. Show. Very, very different. Um, but you That's know, quite you a kind, that... of, kind of a high-pitched tone, isn't it? Yeah, whereas the shit alarm is a flashing red warning light that you can just see out of the field of your vision that tells you, Rob you're watching a very shit film um so so there's been the odd movie that i've enjoyed um the wedding singer i think is great yeah um i i enjoy that movie it's fun um, her name she's gonna when she gets married her name's gonna be julia Guglia. <laughs> exactly what more can you want um and 50 first dates is one that i i enjoy i think it's a bit of a guilty pleasure it's got its problems but there's other elements that are funny um, but I think the main problem with um, with Adam Sandler is everything released after 2005, probably, um, is there's a lot of bad stuff in there, isn't there? And obviously there's the odd one here and there, which is well received, you know, um, like Uncut Gems the other year. I've Everyone still not seen amazing. it. I've not seen it yet either. Um, it's not one of the sand loon four. No, no. So like like a group of people who need to be who've been committed accused of a crime they didn't commit who need to be freed you know, free the sand loon four. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but equally, there's things like uh, the ridiculous six or pixels or Jack and Jill. Um, or, one of those is in the Sandloon Four, or you don't mess with the Zohan. Oh God, yeah, um, I looked up the plot of that, and it looks really offensive. <laughs> so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of bad stuff, and uh, well, a lot of things that have gone down incredibly poorly. Um, I can't say that I've watched a lot of them because, as mentioned, I'm not a huge. Not a huge Adam Sandler fan. I'm not going to be one of these people that says that none of his movies are worth anything because I don't think that's true. Um, but I'm not someone who devotedly watches everything he does. Um, but no, like and nor said, am I. Like I even said, though I, I, I would am say, a fan of... yeah, I'm a fan in as much as I enjoy his films when they're around, and I gem- genuinely find him pleasurable to watch, and I genuinely, I generally find him funny. And outside of film, some of the kind of stand-up stuff he's done is quite funny. He appeared in Sesame Street singing a nice song with Elmo. You know, he's not just Adam Sandler. He's also Adam Sandler, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he is Adam Sandler. Yeah. As well as Adam Sandler, yeah. Adam Sandler. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, Big Daddy came out in 1999. I thought it was way later than that. No, no, he's been around a long time. And, you know, he still looks good on it. He does, yeah. He doesn't, um, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't look old, does he? No. He, he's getting old. He's, he's in his 50s now. But, uh, but he doesn't look it, does it? He's, he's, he's held up well. No, he's, he's always had that sort of, I could have been in the Beastie Boys look, hasn't he? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, but the, the thing is though, that I don't necessarily think that I think, I think he's one of those people, which where nobody's perception of him is right in that you get a lot of people who hate him and think he's terrible, but he's, he's provided some mirth. He's not people Rob like Schneider. He's not Rob Schneider. You know? Yeah. Um, and then there's people who really love him and think, oh, he's really funny. And that's just the SJW soy boy beta cucks who don't appreciate his true genius. And it's like, no, a lot of what he makes is terrible. Um, and I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, probably leaning more towards by percentage, some bad stuff. But I enjoyed rewatching 50 First Dates. So you'd seen it before? I had seen it before. 
Um, and I was a little bit worried going into it because I had not seen it in many, many years, but I think it holds up pretty well. And in comparison to some of the other movies that have questionable storylines that we've watched in this podcast, I think it handles it vaguely well <laughs> for an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> so you'd say you went into it with lower expectations. Yeah, yeah. I was hesitant about it because... I mean, we all know that that comedy has moved on in the last 15 years. Um, and in particular... 15 years old. Well, this movie that. is 17 years old, isn't it? Oh, yeah, or you're 16, right. 16, 17 years old. 2004, 17 years old. Blimey. Um, uh, but we, we all know that the, the comedy has moved on. Cinema has moved on. And we all know that Adam Sandler movies have often been pretty lowbrow. So I was thinking... I remember the general story beats of this film. Do I remember all of the abhorrent stuff that happens in it? But actually, it's relatively tame for a movie of this era that's known for being stupid in terms of the way that it portrays stuff that could be considered offensive. Yeah, I mean, I believe Eurotrip came out the same year, right? Just as a point of... (laughs) Comparison of racist bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The vulgar comedies of the, of the era. Yeah, two thousand and four. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, I think this is relatively okay, and it's one of the more romantic efforts, right? In terms of the stuff that we could talk about on this show, it's actually the romantic element of it is interesting. And there's a lot to like about it. And it is slightly different to a lot of his stuff, even though at the same time, it's exactly the same as all of his stuff because it's vulgar and stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'd agree. There's a, there's a, there's a vague heart to this movie that isn't always apparent in his films. A vague heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what did you think? What did you think of, of Fifty First Dates? Yeah, I'd seen it. I'd seen it before. I remember seeing it when it came out, and it was one that you know we watched when it came out. When you know we, we'd have been sixteen, I watched it with my buddies at school. We all thought it was hilarious and funny, um, and you know, didn't really mind too much about the romantic side of it. Just thought it was funny when Rob Schneider did his Rob Schneider thing and whatever else, and they make jokes about. Um, Samwise the Hobbit jizzing in his pants and stuff all that stuff we thought was hilarious but and I'd seen it a couple of times since I think I'd watched it with my wife before it's one of those ones where like yeah you're you're looking through Netflix and it's on there and you're like oh we could, we could watch that if you want to watch a romantic film and it's sort of okay and it washes over you um and I knew that from all that context that it was something that I liked so going back into it I actually kind of like I perhaps put my critical um podcast hat on a bit more than than I would have done otherwise and was able to see more of its flaws than I'd noticed before so there was I think a lot of stuff where I was sort of rolling my eyes and going oh this is kind of stupid and this is very stupid in parts (laughs) but there's still at at its core it's got this kernel of a very interesting romantic story that it's just a shame that kind of the it's wrapped up in a cloak of vulgar nonsense isn't it it is, it is. And you mentioned that your your other half does not appreciate Adam Sandler, and that does not no, surprise me. but she was me. happy to watch this one. Good, good. Um, it doesn't surprise me. She has good taste. Um, and perhaps Adam Sandler movies are the epitome of bad taste. But um, he's one of those guys where, like, if he even just appears for a second, she's like, oh, this guy. <laughs> um, but I think there's... I think you're right in that this is a relatively tame Adam Sandler movie in terms of the 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 vulgarity, the grossness. There's still a lot of that, and I think that's still where the film probably falls down a bit. Um, but it's slightly better and feels slightly more consistent and well-rounded than a lot of his movies. Yeah, at least when Rob Schneider's not on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so should we should we start off by dunking on Rob Schneider? Yeah, please I mean, let's I th- do that. <laughs> I think this is going to be a regular part of Sandlu. Um, Seeing as he's in most Adam Sandler films, not all of them. Yeah, and he's terrible in most, if not all of them. Um, so here, Rob Schneider is playing a native Hawaiian. Alarm bells should be ringing right now. Yeah. 
the shit belt, the shit alarm is the shit already alarm, going off. The shit alarm is is going off. I can hear the wail of the racism alarm as well. Um, yeah, he is not a native Hawaiian, and he's playing a native Hawaiian. And I know that this is something that comes up very often in movies, actually, particularly in Hawaii, where they they what's the one with Emma Stone in where she's meant to be playing someone who's Hawaiian? Um, oh, Aloha. Yeah, that's right. That um, is a weird film. I've never seen it. We haven't it. talked about no, that, have we? No. Um, I've seen it. It's really strange. That's um, one we'll get to at some point. Yeah, because it's by the person who did um, Elizabeth Town, isn't it? Is that right? Um, Cam- Cameron the Crow. Yes, yeah. I, I think so, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, so Rob Schneider... Um, born in uh san francisco not hawaii um his uh his his heritage is uh filipino and um white american so not hawaii is playing a native hawaiian uh in a particularly offensive way um yeah <laughs> can i just point out as Very well offensive accent <laughs> it's an incredibly offensive accent um, he is played for the butt of all jokes um, in this film. And can I just point out that his Wikipedia entry reads, Robert Michael Schneider is an American actor, comedian, screenwriter, director, and conspiracy theorist. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of You that... know, if that's been added to that first sentence, there's no hope for you, is there? <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think a lot of that comes from his anti-vaccination nonsense. Um, he's one of those awful people which believes that, that vaccines cause autism uh, based on the uh, findings of that scam doctor called Wakefield. Uh, oh, yeah, who was 90s. struck off. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much you know about his history, um, the, the, the Wakefield fella. But basically, he was creating a vaccine, separate vaccines for MMR himself. He was due to make a lot of money off it. And lo and behold, and I'm not saying there's any correlation here whatsoever, but lo and behold, he came out and said that the the joint MMR vaccine was causing autism and was suggesting that people had, and you'll never guess this, uh, he was suggesting that people had these individual vaccine shots instead. Uh, And as mentioned, he was going to create this vaccine himself, these individual huh. vaccines. It's interesting that, isn't it? Very yeah. interesting. Um, so he published this paper, which was pretty much immediately condemned. He published it in The Lancet, and alongside its publication in The Lancet, in the same issue, there was a rebuttal of that same study. Uh, in that study, there was no scientific basis. It was him saying, these parents think that this vaccine caused autism in their child. Um, along the way, he did all sorts of horrible things, including invasive therapy on children, trying to find some kind of proof, which he could not find because vaccines don't cause autism. However, what it did do is drum up this huge media storm in the UK, which then spread to America, and now probably hundreds of thousands of people have died of preventable illnesses because of this one complete and utter arsehole. Um, but enough about Rob Schneider. <laughs> and Rob Schneider <laughs> is part of this movement where he believes that vaccines cause autism, all caused by this complete shitbag doctor who was struck off, who tried to sue the people who investigated him and failed because they everyone said, you're a lying piece of shit. Um, so Rob Schneider in spite of all of this evidence, believes that vaccines cause autism and is an all-round, not particularly good human being because of that. Um, but also does racist depictions, including in this movie, and every single time he's on the screen, it's just tiresome, isn't it? Pretty much every every role he's done is like this. This is one of the worst, perhaps probably one of the worst examples, but yeah, it's not good. Did you know he's done a, a sitcom, like all comedians do, where they do the sitcom and it's called Their Name and it's about a fake version of their life? Yes, he's he done, has that. done that, hasn't he? It's called Real Rob. We should watch that. No, I bet it's great. <laughs> I bet it's the greatest thing ever. Um, because because 
he does a lot of his his comedy early on he does things like um i remember him in movies like demolition man and judge dread where he plays the comic relief in sylvester stallone movies yeah um, he's also the bellman in home alone 2 which i know you're a fan of yeah cedric um and... don't count your tips in public <laughs> Um, but then Credit, before... it says on his Wikipedia page, credited as Bellman. <laughs> and let's just make it clear he is a Bellman. He is a Bellman. <laughs> um, but before too long, he does fall into basically playing I'm Rob Schneider in a fake mustache, doing a funny accent, pretending to be a racist stereotype. And that's basically his career yep. from what, the late 90s onwards? Pretty much, yeah. He gets Juice Bigelow's 1999. Um, European Gigolo is 2005 so actually 51st Dates is between those two films yes Um, I'm just looking through the movies that he's been in Um, he plays a character called Salim in You Don't Mess With The Zohan which I just know is going to be awful he plays an Asian minister in I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry Uh, Prince Habibu in Kick (laughs) An Indian horse seller in a movie called Bedtime Stories. Um, He plays someone called Ramon in The Ridiculous Six and Ernesto in You May Not Kiss the Bride. So there's a lot, (laughs) a lot of um, movies where he's clearly playing someone. And I'm not, I don't want to say that you have to be the exact same nationality or heritage as the person you're playing but I do think the representation matters. And you've got to wonder, why couldn't they have... And they cast Native Hawaiians in Fifty First Dates. Yeah, all of whom do a really good job. <laughs> all of which do a great job. Why could they not cast a Native Hawaiian as Ula in this movie? Why did it have to go to Rob Schneider? Um, because Maybe they tried you... to... or They auditioned some Native Hawaiians and they all said, I don't want to play a guy who like gets bit by sharks and pushed in the ocean by his kids. And pretends to fondle his nipples in a in a fish tank um because i'll tell you something rob schneider has never been cast in any movie based on his ability to act or ability (laughs) to be funny it's just not possible i mean there must be various different reasons uh maybe he has some dishy gossip on the director maybe he was literally the only person to turn up maybe everyone else turned it down those are all valid reasons why you might hire Rob Schneider to be in a film. Mm-hmm. Not so much when you're supposed to be playing a native Hawaiian. <laughs> um, because he is truly, truly awful. Um, so much so that it drags down the entire film. And thankfully, he's not in it a lot of the time. Um, because even in comparison to the other stupid humor in this film, the Rob Schneider elements are just awful. Yeah. He's got lots of kids and he's unhappy about his wife. Yeah, he, uh-huh. my my wife is old and she's fat and ugly and I'm unfulfilled and have lots of kids. You know, that's um, a Borat joke and that's like the worst Borat joke. <laughs> well, yeah, because Borat's sending that up, you know. Um, that's the whole point. Whereas here it's playing it straight. Um, and it's just truly, truly awful. I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of bad humor in this. You've got the androgynous assistant. Yeah, um, Jesus. Which is also bad, where the whole joke is, is it a man or a woman? Uh, yeah, there um, is no way in hell they would make that now. Well, yeah, they, they probably moved on. They probably but... would, and they try and bill it as taking it to the soy boy beta SJW cucks. Oh, they? you mean if Rob Schneider was making the film? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they basic basically they'd get people like Ben Shapiro going, Oh, this is what the liberals don't want you to see. That a right's <laughs> getting good at comedy and it's making the left nervous. Conservatism's the new punk rock. <laughs> I think Rob Schneider believes that, you know. He's new punk cock, maybe. Fucking <laughs> arsehole. Um, <laughs> can you name a good conservative punk band? No, because, well, I cannot name a conservative punk band because there's no such thing, is there? Because you get fascist Unless Ben Shapiro suddenly formed a band. You get you get fascist punks, but obviously... Uh, Nazi two, punks. Yeah, uh, but Nazi punks fuck off, to quote an excellent song. Yeah. Um, 
but um but there are some sort of like hardcore bands um that are that are quite right wing and and fascist um glenn danzig old man glenn danzig um has come out and said old man uncle grandpa i wouldn't be able to be in the misfits anymore if 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 i was around with these current lefties they'd never let the misfits happen as if the misfits are a good band come on you guys are so fucking tame all you do is just wear horror masks you're like fucking slipknot but for shit punk music from two decades ago they got like three um, songs it was more like four <laughs> decades ago yeah four decades ago what the 80s and 70s weren't they the misfits yeah. fucking useless awful band um, <laughs> sorry sorry to any i'm sure there's a massive crossover sorry to everyone out there listening who has a misfits t-shirt i mean uh, most people who have misfits t-shirts have never listened to misfits anyway have they? Let's be <laughs> yeah honest. Um, i think i used to have one once but they're so awful. I don't understand the appeal. I mean, punk in general, I'm I'm a big fan of good punk. Mediocre punk is the most boring music in the world. Um, you, you leave Wolf London and the Idiot Boys out of this. <laughs> so the good punk, they're good punk. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. But but do you know what I mean? Like you listen if you listen to a punk band and it's just oi oi oi, and then just a bad drum beat and three chords and no no substance it's the most boring music it's the most tame music yeah um, and when i think of that i i generally think of misfits and i know that they went off and they did weird stuff but when they experimented it was somehow even worse <laughs> like <laughs> sticks stick to your lane glenn um, i would have thought you'd have been okay with danzig maybe when yeah, you went off and did that yeah his own stuff um is fine i don't think it's great but i think it's sometimes interesting um but if i'm gonna listen to a weirdo with a baritone voice i'm gonna listen to typo negative who are amazing um and there's enough uh variety in their back catalog um to uh to to offset any need to ever listen to danzig you know Um, what else is the problem about glenn danzig he's short is he short? Is he a short? He's kid? very short. Yeah, he's like four foot ten or something. Oh, amazing! That makes it even better. Um, he's a tiny little angry pixie. Do you know about all of his terrible, vaguely pornographic stuff that he's done? No. So you know he's got a an a, Glenn a porno... Danzig male gigolo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just trying to bring it back to Rob Schneider. Um, we'll, we'll get back onto Fifty First Dates in a minute, but I'm on a roll here talking about <laughs> punk nobody Glenn Danzig. Um, he has a uh, he has a, a porno comic book publisher called Verotic. Oh dear! Do you, do you, have you not known about this? Because you're a you're a, mm, you're comic a book guy, man. Um, no, so I he makes sort that. of like seedy sexual horror comics, um, basically. Um, and then also he's made a horror movie. Um, oh, no. called Verotica, and apparently it's one of the worst things ever made, um, which I think we should watch at some point. It's like a horror anthology, and it's supposed to be one of the worst movies ever And if created. it's got erotic hidden there in that name, then it's cl- clearly got some romance in it. So I think we found <laughs> our first one for October when we get around <laughs> to that. Um, so I'm just going to read you out about the first segment. Um the first segment of the movie, The Albino Spider of Dejet, is about a Parisian sex worker with eyeballs for nipples and an albino spider that takes the form of an eight-armed humanoid, the latter of whom murders sex workers by breaking their necks. Okay. That's, sure, the, kind of, why not? that's the kind of movie we're, we're letting ourselves in for. I've not seen it because I at least have some level of self-care. But... I say, that sounds like the kind of thing you would watch. <laughs> but maybe at some, oh, maybe one Halloween. We'll see. We'll see what I can come up with for this Halloween. If there's good movies to watch. Then... We'll do that and we'll do Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror, which is basically <laughs> that, but Snoop Dogg. But Snoop Dogg's so instantly better. Um, but yeah, I think it's fair to say that Glenn Danzig is the Rob Schneider of punk. And Rob yeah. Schneider is the Glenn Danzig of comedy, short and annoying, and you never want to see them in any kind of publication ever. No, and every time he pops up, you're like, oh god, here he is to here, ruin it for everyone. Here he is again. It's your mate down the pub who won't stop talking about Bitcoin. 
<laughs> it's the same energy. You're just like, oh god, never going to shut them up. Rob Schneider has definitely just invested in Dogecoin. <laughs> Schneidcoin. <laughs> um. Anyway, right. Uh, so Rob Schneider is bad. The androgynous assistant is bad. Um, yeah, not like her necessarily, because yeah, I, from what I read about her background, she's um, of Ukrainian descent and does a lot of like interesting theatre work and stuff. So it sounds like you know she was just doing a bit of film work because it came along, right? So oh yes, yeah, no, I'm just doing the, what she's been given. So, I meant the concept um, and the character and the writing is bad. Yeah, uh, Lucia Struess is her name. But yeah, but I think those are the two most egregious examples. And that's funny coming from a movie where the premise is someone has short term memory loss and someone tries to start a romantic relationship with them, which should just be ringing alarm bells, particularly in an Adam Sandler movie. But yeah, it does ring the shit alarm at that point. It does ring the shit alarm. But I think it's a shit alarm that's maybe a little bit oversensitive because I don't want to say they handled it well or carefully but they tried to <laughs> and at least that's something you know i think that the, the the moment that he realizes um and finds out about her history so um drew barrymore's character was in a car crash and now relives the same day every day so she wakes up in the morning and her short-term memory is gone she can't remember what happened the day before um and when adam sandler finds out about this he immediately goes well shit i shouldn't try and seduce her then that's good but i also kind of like her so i want to keep spending time with her and And here comes rob schneider to go hey she's the perfect girl for you man because you've got commitment issues you've got commitment issues (laughs) and then as soon as like he gets into actually like trying to be with her the whole thing of him having commitment issues just completely disappears Oh yeah, exactly. Um, he he then becomes surprisingly heartfelt in his sort of romancing of her, where he clearly wants to spend time with her, and he has to do, go through lots of stupid things to try and avoid the family, um, like pretending to be kidnapped or breaking down at the side of the road and things like that in a montage scene, which is sort yeah. of funny. Then having Rob Schneider beat him up and then she gets out of the car and give, gives him a big beat, beating up with an aluminium baseball bat, which is actually probably the best scene that Rob Schneider's in. Yeah, I wish that they the whole movie was that. It would be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so, um, so, so you've got that montage, but then it clearly, it, it, it then sort of shifts into a slightly different film where you've still got the dumb humour um, and some of its depictions of memory loss are not very sensitive at all. When they, particularly when they go to the hospital, yeah, um, I think it's quite. It's used callous. as the butt of every joke yeah. in that in that setting. Yeah, um, but in general, it could have been a lot worse. Um, is what I'm getting. And that at. sounds like damning with faint praise, you know, doesn't it? To say, well, its depiction of, of memory loss and amnesia was not as problematic and awful as I thought it was going to be, or as you'd <laughs> expect it to be in an Adam Sandler film. But within I mean, that context, you have to realise this is an Adam Sandler film. Yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to work within that context, don't you? Um, and yeah, so it's it's not truly awful in the way that it it showcases that. Um, and and his his sort of um courting of her is relatively sweet and then when it turns out that actually he might be having a positive impact on her memory um it then becomes a lot nicer where it's like you know it's clearly causing him a bit of pain that he can't be as close to her as he wants but he's doing it to help her and that's the kind of heart that you don't really get in many adam sandler movies do you (laughs) no unfortunately not um, and and I think that's kind of the most compelling bit of this movie is is that kind of moment where the the film reaches this emotional point and in a brief moment you're basically rooting for all the characters to, to succeed um, and you know you've got a relatively dislikable cast of characters here um, but for that moment you can see them all working towards this one noble cause and you think oh that's really nice and refreshing and and from that point on the the humor starts becoming more more palatable um there's that there's that great moment and i think it's probably my favorite moment of this film where she tells him you know go off and do your own thing 
you know, I want to protect you from this. And he gets given. She breaks this, up with him. She breaks up with him. Um, it's a very good breakup scene, actually, because within the, the context of the whole having amnesia thing, it's like she goes there to break up with him, having only just woken up that morning and realized that he exists. But And that context actually makes it really work for some reason. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I, I think it does work well. Um, but then in the scene after that, so he's off on his boat um, and, and he's been given this this package from from Drew Barrymore's dad. Um, it was the perfect like gruff dad. Gruff dad. Yeah. Perfect gruff dad. And he opens up this bag and he pulls out a CD. And, and obviously, um, wouldn't it be nice is a big uh, ongoing refrain throughout this this movie. Um, and he pulls out this CD and goes, the Beach Boys, how nice of that man to give me a CD that will remind me of all the wonderful times I shared with his daughter. What an asshole! What an asshole! <laughs> and, and, and then you've got this great thing where he's like, why would you do this to me? And he's singing along to it whilst driving this boat recklessly. And um, crying. And it's, it's genuine. Adam Sandler's fake crying is very funny. It's... And I'm sorry to anyone who thinks that is dumb, but to me yeah. it is funny. It's genuinely, I think that's the funniest moment in this film it's just that that's something we used to do um at school me and my mates who'd watched this film like in class <laughs> like if a teacher had like upset us or something we'd turn around and like be like what an asshole <laughs> and then like <laughs> pretend to be crying about it so i had a lot of nostalgia when looking at that oh it's great that's great um but yeah i i really love that scene i think that's very funny and i think there's this catharsis behind it as well where you are feeling his pain, but he's sh- the, the movie is showcasing that in a funny way. So you get that emotional attachment and that that emotional understanding of what's going on. Um, that you don't get very many moments of empathy in Adam Sandler movies, but that's a real strong one. Um, and so you connect at that moment in this bizarre circumstance. Um, you you get it, and I think that's such a rare, great little moment. Um, yeah and And it's the best possible use of him as a physical comedian isn't it whereas with actors who are seen as lowbrow like adam sandler often it's because much of their comedy is physical and comedy itself is very very divisive and either turns people on or turns people off physical comedy even more so and that sort of the idea of clowning you know the idea of him as a clown figure i think is why a lot of people are turned off by it but this is the point where it's applied properly and where it works as part of the story that you've been drawn into so that's this that is like as you say a perfect sandler moment and a, a perfect good sandler moment and a, an example of where he is good yeah definitely and, and and like you said it really plays to his strengths it's got the um it's got the silliness that he's great at it's got the physical element that he's great at and it's also got that reckless rage which is a really great part of his humor um and you know another great example of that is when he's singing the song that he wrote after he had a breakup in the wedding singer where it swaps between a happy little song and a cure song yeah and that's got a similar kind of (laughs) flip the switch moment um that again is really funny and he's great at those moments um and so it's it's always nice to see someone using his skill set well because he's not a useless comedian you know he's got he's got talents but you just need to know how to use them and i think a lot of the time particularly with the movies that he's involved in maybe he doesn't even know how to use it or you know maybe it's kind of a vanity thing with the films that he's heavily involved in creating himself um where it doesn't really use that effectively yeah he he knows how to clown yeah and you've got to you've got to appreciate a clown Adam Sandler goes to the doctor and says, I'm feeling depressed. And the doctor says, oh, you should go see 50 first dates. <laughs> um, do you get what I'm doing? It's the clown joke. What's, uh, you know, the clown joke? I the clown what? joke. Um, the aristocrats. Uh, he goes to the doctor. The doctor starts describing him a, a scene in a lot of, like is that he went to see a film and that it was all like scatological and pornographic details and he says it in a lot of details and Adam Sandler says, What's the film called? And the doctor says the Aristocats. 
<laughs> aristocrats. Yes. <laughs> the yeah. aristocrats. That's something else. <laughs> aristocrats. Everybody um, wants to be a cat. No, so so the clown joke is it's a, it's popularized in Watchmen. Um, so this man goes to the doctor. I haven't read that. Uh, of course you haven't. It's you, you don't read good comics. <laughs> no, I have read it. It's not about it's not about a sad boy. Who I have read band. it and I've seen the film. Um, it's the only comic book I've read. <laughs> it's the only comic you've read. You were you were you didn't realize it was going to be about um about superheroes. No, I thought it was about an owl man. <laughs> exactly. An owl man and a blue man going to sea in a beautiful pea green boat. <laughs> yeah, that that's what it's about. Um but yeah, so so this man this man goes to the doctor and says he's depressed um and that, that life is hard and he feels alone. Um and the doctor says, Oh, it's easy to treat that. Go and see Pagliacci, he's in town tonight. He's a great clown, that'll pick you up. And then the man starts crying and says, But doctor, I am Pagliacci the clown. Um, obviously often told better than that, but that's the clown joke. And Adam Sandler the joke. could be that clown if he wanted, but he doesn't. He wants to make bad movies with his friends. I don't think he's depressed. I think he's having a great time. I mean, yeah, he's clearly loving life. I don't think anyone who's unhappy would make a movie like Jack and Jill. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get onto that. <laughs> Which we'll get onto at some point. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think... I think there's a warmth to Fifty First Dates, and I think some of that also comes through the romance. Um, some of it is extremely; um, it, it makes you suspend your disbelief a lot. Yeah, um, but it does so in a way that's kind of compelling. And overall, it is. Uh, I think it's an enjoyable romance, and I think there's a, a decent enough chemistry between G- Drew Barrymore and, and Adam Sandler as well. Yeah, you you believe it don't you once you're within the logic of the film once you've gotten through the first third where it is all just stupid gags um and he's pretended to be crying in the diner and that kind of thing and she's built a little waffle house and there's all that stuff and they've had their meat cute and it, it then sort of gets down to the meat of the film you're like actually yes i believe this i believe that she could wake up every day and watch a tape and then suddenly you might have a good day and that that is kind of how their romance is progressing. That's the most interesting part of it. And because that is interesting, it doesn't really matter whether the depiction of amnesia is 100% accurate or not, does it? As long as it's tender and sensitive, which it is. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, you know me, I'm a stickler for mental health being portrayed accurately in movies. And I think... I think this might not be the best way to go about it because amnesia doesn't work like it works in this film. Um, But then, you know, schizophrenia never works like it does in movies. Bipolar never works like it does in movies either. It's a a wider issue beyond Fifty First Dates. And I would prefer that it was more accurate, but at least it's not, at least in its central romance, it's not making it the butt of the joke. And that's something at least at least when it makes fun of people with amnesia it's only side characters who obviously don't matter yeah (laughs) yeah all you all you extras yeah you are going to be the butt of all the jokes in this film (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so yeah it's 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 far from perfect but it could have been a lot worse in the way that it does it and it is sensitive around her and it shows the care that goes into how they try and protect her um, and it's not just used as a sort of one dimensional thing to get in the way of their relationship, is it? It's like, it's more, it, I think, as you say, that's why the breakup feels so real. It's because she goes to him and says, I don't want you to have to deal with this rather than it's just like, oh, dating someone who's got amnesia is hard. Goodbye. See ya. It's like, yeah, they that part seems kind of thoughtful. And that's actually kind of a rare thing in romantic comedies as well for it to be not to be one dimensional. Yeah, exactly. It it actually does form the key part of the film's plot, um, which it needed to. It couldn't just be used as a crutch at one point. Um, so at least it at least it does that as well. You know, there there is some cohesive thought went into writing this film. Yeah, absolutely. And then when they eventually do get back together, you you realize all that context, but because he's been crying on the boat, you're like, oh well, it's fine. I, I I'm sure they can work it out, and then they do. 
And then obviously, yeah, there's there's that kind of whole thing where he's literally the man of her dreams. She's been dreaming about him and painting him. And one of the paintings is literally just of an egg with a Hawaiian shirt on it. That's very funny. Which, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, there's I, this whole running joke about him having a head like an egg. Yes. Um, and and there's, there's lots of good jokes at his expense. There's the great bit where she's reading through her diary and it says we made love for the first time didn't last as long as i hoped <laughs> it's like yeah brilliant um and, and and yeah so there's there's little there's little bits like that which help ground it and give the characters a little bit of depth and things like that um which which works um and, and so he yeah. works in an aquarium exactly which is great which is great and he loves the walrus they mentioned right. spam a lot which obviously is a, a big thing in hawaii mm-hmm when we were there, I ate some spam, and it was very nice. Um, so, so yeah, so at least there's that as well. Um, apparently, the original script set the movie in Seattle. Um, yeah, I read that the original script, it was like a drama that was knocking around for a while, and then eventually got picked up and turned into a comedy. And I'm not sure... I You know, this could obviously work as a drama, but I think if you did it as a drama you need to be a lot more careful with it. Um, yeah. And also, if you took this movie and put it in Seattle, it would definitely not work because I think having it in Hawaii, um, it just adds this charm and and majesty to it because even when it's shit, you can still look at it and go, oh, it's pretty. <laughs> and every so often I found myself doing that, just being like, oh, this movie is problematic, but... Hawaii sure is nice, isn't it? Yeah, it is very nice and has Rob Schneider dancing on the beach in a grass skirt. Yeah, I hear that that's an official part of all trips to Hawaii. Rob Schneider just goes there now and just does that. Yeah, Um, you turn up, as soon as you turn up there, he's there. uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, Did you enjoy the, the, the vaguely Hawaiian renditions of various other various songs as part of the soundtrack yes i did appreciate that that's always nice and there were a few like classic hawaiian songs playing in the background of a lot of scenes as well yes yeah so it's uh it's uh it's all right it's all right i i, I wouldn't say that this movie is great um no but i went into it with relatively low expectations and was entertained i guess is the best way to put it yeah um did you like um dan Aykroyd as the, the cranky doctor or some I, quite funny yeah yeah he doctor? was he was good it's always nice to see dan Aykroyd in stuff um obviously i keep it, thinking dan Aykroyd is dead no i know that's really bad but and i always see him in film and i'm like is he dead but it's like because I, I feel like he hasn't been in anything recently that i've seen and that's just my fault probably but. i think he devotes a lot of his time to um to looking for aliens doesn't he now does he yeah he's a big uh, good for him he's a big alien believer and i think he does loads of stuff around ufos and also stuff like ghosts as well um he's a big believer in the paranormal in um cryptids do you know the term cryptids no i have heard that term but i could not tell you what it means so a cryptid is basically any animal or creature which is not real but the people believe that they are real so things bigfoot is a cryptid for instance um the chubacabra el chubacabra is a cryptid or the jersey devil is a cryptid that kind of stuff. Loch Ness Monster, Nessie is a cryptid. So um, these kind of urban legend creatures. Um, so I think right. he's a big he's a big believer in that, and I think he does a lot of things like that. And he, he's still in he's still in movies all over the place as well. Um, but generally does sort of like minor roles in things. I think. All right. Um, I see, there's a new Ghostbusters. There is yes, Ghostbusters and Wolfhard's in it. Yep, he's gonna wolf hard. Is that Finn? Um, it's uh, directed by Jason Reitman. Um, so uh, who who directed Juno as well as yeah, various yeah. other things? Um, and obviously the son of Ivan Reitman, um, mm-hmm. who's responsible for uh, producing Beethoven. Is a little I know. interesting through road from uh... the greatest film of all time. 
Yes, but it it, it is it is nice to see the um the Ghostbusters franchise go back into the same hands again, isn't it? Uh, there's something romantic about that idea. Um, yeah, for sure. So, so hopefully it'll be okay. We'll see whether it is or not. Um, but yeah, he's going to have a cameo in it, I assume. Um, his old his old Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. So that's cool. Well, I hope he finds some aliens. I hope he finds some aliens too. Oh, and hey, he's in Pixels. <laughs> yeah, it seems as though he's in a few of these Adam Sandler movies. Oh, I know. He's in, I know, pronounce you Chuck and Larry as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, but he, he's good. He, he's, he's funny because he is funny. Um, there's a, there's the odd, oh, I wish my wife would get amnesia, which is not funny. Yeah. That's just like, yeah, don't need that. Thank you. Um, My wife. (laughs) My wife. Um, it's only funny if you say it like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, have you watched Borat 2 yet? Yes, I, I I have. Yeah, I watched it a while ago. I really enjoyed it. It's good fun, isn't it? Yeah, it was the perfect film for our times. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so have you got anything else you want to say about about Fifty First Dates? I'm um, just that. Yeah, obviously, Sean Astin's character is very stupid, and <clears throat> yeah, I think he got kind of a raw deal. But he probably knew what he was getting in for. I think it was around the time when everyone was just thinking of him as Samwise from The Hobbit, and he was like, I'm going to do something completely different. Yeah, because this was right after the Lord of the Rings movies, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's... Uh, I, I think I imagine he knew what he was getting getting himself into, and he's he's had a he's had a really interesting career as old, uh, old Samwise. Um, yeah. You know, obviously he's in Stranger Things, I loved him in that. He was I thought that was a really good character. Yeah, he was really good. Um, but but yeah, he's been in all sorts over the years, had a really interesting varied career. Um, and I think this is probably just going to be a footnote in it, but he plays a stupid character, stupidly enough, <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> a guy who has a lisp and has wet dreams because he takes steroids. And most importantly, wears like a mesh t-shirt, which I think is just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like a um, string vest. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's good to see him in it. It's always nice when Sean Astin turns up in a film where you're not expecting it. And I didn't remember that he was in this film at all. Oh, that must have been a nice surprise for you. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's Samwise. Hello. He'll always be Samwise. Yes, or Goonies. 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 I've never seen the Goonies. You've never seen the Goonies? No, isn't that before our time? Well, yeah, but it's, it was always on telly at Christmas. Every ah, every Christmas, the Goonies is on. When's Stranger Things four coming out? Um, I don't know. Soon, isn't it? Maybe. Stranger Things four release date one day ago. There may be a long wait for Stranger Things season four. Oh fuck you! <laughs> is that because they're off doing other things? Maybe, yeah. Netflix hasn't given us a date, but its latest earnings announcement makes us think the new season will wait till the new year. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, right. Anything else about Fifty First Dates? Uh, no, I, I, I think we've covered it, haven't we? Haven't we? I think obviously there's some good examples in there of classic Sandler. What you expect from him: physical comedy, some vulgarity, but in there is a, a good heart in there and a good relationship. And I think Drew Barrymore does a great job. They have great chemistry, and it is it is funny and lighthearted and enjoyable if touch dated, but. As Sandler films go, this is one that I think is worth your time when you're looking for something lighthearted, right? Yeah, I'd agree. This is this is palatable. <laughs> this Despite its you... quite obvious flaws. Yeah, it's it's full of flaws, but it's generally okay. Uh, yeah, and and I think that's something to be um, to be to to be lauded about an Adam Sandler movie. So I've got a little bit of trivia for you. Cool, um, cool. So this was the first film to be released on Blu-ray. Really? Yeah. Blimey. Back in 2006, this was released on Blu-ray. First movie to be released on Blu-ray. Is that just a sort of alphabetical thing? Because it's numbers at the beginning. Yeah, maybe. Maybe just to do with release dates and uh, and and where it came in the alphabet. Um, I can't imagine that, that Sony were like, oh, you know what? I really want 
50 first dates to be off our landmark yeah. first movie two movie. years after it was in the summer <laughs> juice bigelow european gigolo has performed poorly we need to look further back <laughs> gotta, gotta salvage it somehow um and then finally originally it was called 50 first kisses but they changed it to avoid confusion with never been kissed the drew barrymore movie Ah, yes, that makes sense, which we have talked about, haven't we? We have indeed, yeah. Long time ago. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a little something. So how are we going to rate this? Um, well, how many first dates do you need to have with this film until uh, it <laughs> agrees to get on a boat with you? So not quite 50 to get it to agree to go on a boat with me. No, uh, out 11, of 20. 11 first dates out of 20. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say that's fair. I'd agree with that. It's yeah, it's just over a Bon Jovi, isn't it? A lot of marks down for yeah, the dated and offensive humor, but a lot of marks up for the tenderness of the romance. So it's quite nice. Yeah. Quite a nice balance, really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, a good um, a good kickoff to for Sandloon, I think. It is. It is a good a good starter. So what have we got next? I'm very excited to hear. What's well, next. do you want? The the classic one, the definitely bad one, or the maybe potentially good one? Well, let's go with the classic one next, and then we can... I think we end with the really bad one, don't we? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think to, that's, that's usually how we do really things, isn't it? One. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, in which case, the next one will be Billy Madison. Oh, excellent. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen Billy Madison. What? Yeah. You've never seen Billy Madison? They all sort of... This is It's the almost one... like you spend your time watching like good and serious films. <laughs> <laughs> is this the one where he's he's at school? Yeah. He's an adult who has to go back to school. That's, right. that's it, basically. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've seen it. But a lot of them kind of blend together, maybe halfway the through. The teacher asks it. them to turn their books to page 69 and he laughs and none of the other kids laugh. <laughs> That's basically the whole film. Okay, cool. No, I'm, um, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I haven't seen it in a long time. So yeah, it'll I'll, be fun to rewatch it. Yeah. It's one I it, used to love. It may well be that, that by watching it, I realize I have seen it. Um, it's one it's... I used to love when I was like 12. <laughs> so <laughs> so we're going back in time. Yeah, we're popping in the Sandler time machine. <laughs> the hot tub time machine. He's not in that film, is he? He's not, I don't think. We should watch Hot Tub Time Machine. That seems like point, the kind though. of film he would be in. Um, it's John Cusack, isn't it? Hot Tub Time Machine. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, we should watch that at some point. It is actually quite funny. Is it? I've um, never seen yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's very self-referential. Um it's incredibly stupid and it does a great job at calling back to bad 80s movies so um see i like that yeah so i think there's a lot that you'll enjoy in it it's it's very dumb but i don't even need to know all that stuff i I, like the title is enough honestly i just never got around to it (laughs) well at some point at some point we'll watch that but but next we've got billy madison yeah all right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed the show and we hope you're down with Sand Loon. Yeah. Join us on this journey through potentially bad movies. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see, won't we? Billy Madison's the classic and then, yeah, we've got the good one and the bad one. I won't say what they are. It probably might not be that hard to guess, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> which is notoriously bad and which is suspiciously good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we hope you enjoy a bit of Sandler. And you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod, on emails Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. If there's anything you'd like to share, there's a link in our show notes where you can give us money if you like what we do. Um, it's like a like a tip jar. Yeah, give us give us money to go to Hawaii. Yeah, and hang out with a walrus. Yeah, I mean I'd love to hang out with a walrus. And I don't just mean Rob Schneider. Oh snap. Yeah, Hawaii. I, I've been to Hawaii. It is very nice, and I would love to go back with you. Yeah, we should all go. Do a do big a boys big don't old... cry field trip. Yeah, field trip to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, looking for some romance in the wild. <laughs> so yes, please give us money to fund that trip, and we'll be back next week to talk about Billy Madison. Alrighty, bye bye. 
Ready. Bye. What an asshole.